Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. As things get as bad as they are, and they're getting bad, that means that the Lord's return is at the door, and I'm encouraged. It's almost to the point where, and I could be misunderstood when I say this, but I almost want it to happen, because I want to go home, because this world isn't my home. And I have all this detail in Scripture that tells me this is what the world's going to look like before I come and take you out of this world. And I'm seeing it all happen. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. There is incredible lawlessness and evil rampant in the world today. Everything Paul listed as the precursors of the end is happening. Yet Pastor J.D. will seek to encourage you and give you hope today. As you see lawlessness everywhere, be prepared for the Lord to return at any moment. What a glorious day that will be. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. That doesn't sound fair. You mean, in the midst of all this lawlessness, the restraint of the Holy Spirit's out of the way, the church has been raptured, all hell is breaking loose, the Antichrist has been revealed, and God is going to like add insult to injury? and send this powerful delusion so that they're going to believe the lie that serves the lie. And he's even going to allow, and make no mistake about it, nothing happens unless God allows it. Whoa. That really crashed the hard drive, didn't it? Wait, you mean that God is allowing everything that we're seeing happen right now? Yeah. Why would he do that? Because in the end... It serves not the lie. It serves the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no way to the Father except through me. God will never allow the devil to do anything unless ultimately in the end it's for his glory and our good. So we have a question we need to answer. And the question is, why would God do this? Why would God send them this powerful delusion so that they believe the lie and are condemned? Thankfully, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, tells us why. It's because they rejected The truth. That's why. Simply put, their hearts were already hardened, their mind already made up, and as such, their fate had already been sealed. They've already rejected God and the truth. And so God just says, okay, the Spirit of God is not going to strive with man forever. I mean, there just comes a point where The Lord just says, I'm not going to force myself on you. You've rejected me. 
I've given you so many opportunities and you continue to reject me. Look, I can take a hint. You don't want me. You've rejected me. So fine. And he just gives them over to their mind already being made up. I think about Pharaoh, very interesting account in Exodus. He continued to harden his heart. And we're told, I think it's something like eight times. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then, it's not, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, it's, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What? That doesn't seem fair. I mean, it's kind of like Pharaoh didn't have a fighting chance. I mean, God hardened his heart? No, that's not what happened. It's God saying, you've already hardened your heart. Fine. You've already made your choice. You've already made your decision. You've already made up your mind. You've already rejected the truth, so I'm going to stop fighting you and give you what you want. Because you don't want me. And this is why God gives them over to their lawlessness and wickedness. And get this, wrap your mind around this. We're told that they actually take great delight in it. I tell you, that, that this has helped me so much. Because like you, I'm sure, when you watch all of this, you're like, how is this even possible? I mean, you, you actually are falling for this? Yeah, right here. This explains it. This resolves the problem. Because for the life of me, I could never imagine why anybody would do anything like this. Well, this explains why. They've rejected the truth. So, of course, wickedness and lawlessness will ensue. I've heard it said like this, when you reject the truth, you open yourself up for the most bizarre of lies. You'll believe anything. So here comes this powerful delusion. And it's God just saying, you know what? Fine. It's not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you keep rejecting me and rejecting me and rejecting. You know, it's kind of like callous on your hands, right? When you just keep over and over and over again, you develop a callous and you become numb and it becomes hardened. And that's what happens to the human heart. Over and over again, you keep rejecting God and the truth. And then this callousness, this numbness, this hardness, so you feel nothing. Romans chapter 1. I hope this is helpful. (laughs) I know it's helped me, and I I hope it's helpful and encouraging to you. But I remember when we were studying verse by verse through Romans, I think we were in Romans for like two years. What a meaty book. I mean, just doctrine. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. That's why it took us two years to get through it. There was a lot to chew on. But I remember very clearly teaching through chapter one, I probably should say just weeping through chapter one. It's a, wow. 
Let me just read verses 28 through 32. This might fill in some blanks and connect some dots. Paul writing by the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers. I find it very interesting that gossips and slanders would be included with a list such as this. No, it gets worse. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. And get this, they invent ways of doing evil. You know, inventors, they invent things. And what Paul is describing here is someone who is so evil, so given over to a depraved mind, that they're actually thinking of evil that they can invent. Hey, I know. Let's do this. Whoa. That's how depraved they are. And then he says this. This is very interesting to all you young people. I want you to hear this. Very, very important. They disobey their parents. Isn't that interesting? Included in that list. Do you get the impression that God takes that seriously? He does. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree, that's interesting, they know. They just rejected it. They've not accepted it. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. By the way, that should also answer another question and fill in another blank. You know why the world hates us so much? is because we expose their darkness, their wickedness, their lawlessness. That's why it is that they take the Ten Commandments out of the public square. Because the, the law, the perfect law of God is a mirror that shows us us. I don't want that shown. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want that to be exposed. That's why it is, by the way, that that family member, that friend, that co-worker, that's why they hate your guts. Sorry to say it like that. Jesus loves your guts, but they hate your guts. <laughs> Don't take it personally. Jesus said they hate you because they hated me first. And that's the reason why. When Paul writes to Timothy in his second epistle, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he sort of echoes what he wrote to the Roman church. And in so doing, he lists 19
19 markers, 19 characteristics of what the last days are going to look like. And he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. (laughs) Now listen to this, okay? And as I read this, as you follow along, do so through the lens of what we're seeing take place in the world today. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, here it is again, disobedient to parents. Right there, disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's what's going to mark the last days. Are you depressed? (laughs) Well, I would submit that what we are witnessing before our very eyes today is exactly what we're told would happen at the time of the end. Think this through with me. Don't you find it interesting that God would deem it necessary to inspire the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit to give us these prophecies in this detail and specificity, so that those who are living at the time of the end, that last final generation, which is us by the way, so that we would be encouraged The Apostle Paul, in his first epistle to the Thessalonians, is trying to encourage, and he's going to do it again next week. He's he's going to be here. The Apostle Paul is going to be here next week to encourage us in the rest of the chapter. But that's the whole point. He says, here's what's going to happen. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. In other words, we should be so encouraged by this. What? Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Are you well? I don't know about that, but how is this encouraging? This is, this is terrifying. No, I'll tell you why it's encouraging. The rapture happens first, then all this happens. We're not going to be here. Be encouraged. Hey, it gets better. Yeah, it gets better. Let me take it further, if you don't mind. What are you going to say? No, (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway. It's even better than that. Think this through with me as well. It's like God is saying, I'm going to give you this specific description of what the world is going to be like right before 
the seven-year tribulation. In other words, you're going to see things that will ultimately be fulfilled in and during the seven-year tribulation before the seven-year tribulation, just so you'll know how close you are. Oh, that's a game changer, especially as I see what's coming. And by the way, um, I hold back a lot. <laughs> that might come as a surprise to, to many of you. You hold back, yeah? You might, well, God knows. In Ecclesiastes, we have this very interesting uh, verse that says, with much knowledge comes much sorrow. The world says it like this, ignorance is bliss. Think about that. Let that sink in. You know, we as Christians, we know what's coming. We have the knowledge of the truth. And what comes packaged with that is sorrow and grief. But here's why we can be encouraged. Because if the tribulation period is casting its shadow on this period prior to the tribulation, that means we're really close. You know what else that means? That means that no matter how difficult it is right now, and believe me, with what's coming, I mean, I, you, you've got to be reading the same news feeds that I am. In, in Hawaii, the unemployment rate, what is it, almost 40 percent? It's in the high 30s because of the tourism revenue, because of this lockdown. I was thinking about this, even if, I was talking to my wife about this, even if they just, you know, turned the switch back on and said, okay, we're open, come back. Too late. Too late. And this is only the beginning. Wow, Pastor, you, I was doing great until you said that. Why did you say that? Because I know this on the authority of God's Word. The truth of the matter is this, that as things get as bad as they are, and they're getting bad, that means that the Lord's return is at the door. And I'm encouraged it's almost to the point where, and I could be misunderstood when I say this, but I almost want it to happen. Because I want to go home. Because this world isn't my home. And I have all this detail in Scripture that tells me this is what the world's going to look like before I come and take you out of this world. And I'm seeing it all happen. Here's how I, I say it and see it. When I know that I have this to look forward to, it makes whatever I'm going through easier to get through, because I have this blessed hope. Now, does that mean that it's not going to get worse before the rapture? Not at all. It could get worse, but God. But God. You, do you think for a second that the Lord is going to allow His bride to get all bus up before the wedding? Do you like how I said that? This is why I just can't get it with these, oh, I don't want to go there, but I kind of already did. It's kind of like, no, the church has to go through the tribulation, to which I say, why? What, what's the point? So the church has to, 
wow, what kind of a wedding is that going to be? Here's the, the bride, you know, coming up to the, oh, you know, all bust up and bleeding. And I know it's kind of a graphic picture, but it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Before my wife and I got married, I, I was counting the days down. I couldn't wait. I, you know, I picture Jesus just going, man, is it time yet? Is it time yet? I don't mean to be dismissive, and we'll close, but I don't mean to uh, in any way diminish whatever that trial is in your life. I just want to encourage you. (laughs) This is how it ends. This is how it ends. And the sufferings, Paul said, of this life are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. You think about this short period of time, however long it is, or ends up being, as compared to eternity. I mean, let's just say that this goes on, I can't imagine it, for years and years and years, and just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Even that, compared to the glory that awaits in eternity, the first trillion years, there's no years, I'm just using that as a, you know, sort of an example. I mean, the first trillion years will be but a moment in eternity, as compared to the years that we're alive here in this world, with the hardships and the suffering and the trials of this life, not even on the same scale to be compared. Let me just say one one last thing. It's almost like I'm hearing, you know, let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I think what the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today is, hang on, to the church of Philadelphia, I know you have little strength. I know you're just hanging on by a thread. Some of you are here today, you're just hanging on by a thread. You're so battle-weary, and I mean, you're just at your wit's end. The Lord is saying to us, just hang on. I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'm going to take you out and deliver you from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. You've not denied my name, and you've kept my word. And I know you're just barely hanging on, and I know it's really bad, but I'm coming. And that's what the Spirit is saying to the church. You'd be encouraged. You'd be encouraged. This world is a dark and depressing place at times. There's no denying it. But there is light. There is hope. That hope is Jesus. Jesus is alive and is going to return to earth one day to rid it of evil forever. You can trust this. He's always been faithful and he always will be. Until he returns, though, Jesus has commissioned his followers to be his hands and feet right here in the middle of the darkness. Being a Christian is more than just words, it's actions as well. As you've learned in this study of 2 Thessalonians, every believer is called to live a godly life, following that example that Jesus set long ago. You're asked to live selflessly, showing love in practical ways to others. 
This will be a witness to the world of the hope that exists in Christ. We're so glad you tuned in to In Spirit and Truth. We know that following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be intimidating to share the gospel. With that in mind, we'd like to offer a simple guide that will help the ABCs of salvation. You can find these on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just take a look at the resources tab. This will explain why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We pray this is an asset as you shine for Jesus and share His hope. If you'd like more information about In Spirit and Truth or would like to connect with us, visit inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find more of Pastor J.D.'s messages there, too, and service times if you'd like to join us for church at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. La-